Welcome to the sermons of First Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor James Hunick, and I hope that these sermons help edify you and help you in your Christian faith. Please join us on Sundays for worship at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. with a Bible study in between. If you'd like to know more about us or want to know more about the Lutheran tradition, please visit us at www.youhaveaplace.com or reach out to me at pastorhunick at youhaveaplace.com. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I talked a little bit in our opening about the themes and ideas that are coming up in our readings for the church year. We are heading towards the end of the church year, and those readings always point us to the end of time, the return of Jesus Christ. And we saw them in the readings that we see today. The prophet Amos talks about the judgment coming on the day of the Lord, though on that day he was pointing to the danger of the Assyrians coming into Israel, a judgment and not a gift from God. And Jesus points us also to the return of, well, of Jesus. When he comes like a groom to a wedding, not at the time you expect. And the question is, what's going to happen on that day? What will it be like on the day that Jesus returns? And that's the question we're going to explore through the, the reading that I did from First. Thessalonians. Now, this question is rather controversial because there are two main theories about what will happen on that day. I'm going to give you a big theological word today. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Uh, actually, it's, it's hard enough that I screwed it up in the first service. Hopefully, I'll get it right this time. It is premillennial dispensationalism. We'll say that again, premillennial dispensationalism. Now you can go out knowing that you've got your theological education for the day. <clears throat> now, this idea is idea about the end of the world and what will happen when Jesus returns. The other competing theory is much easier. It's amillennialism. Predispensational millennialism teaches that God has worked throughout time and history in different dispensations, different ways of working through his promises. And it teaches that God's promises in the Old Testament to Israel are now still active on the nation of Israel and the Jews today. This is a claim I dealt with back in August when we talked about how St. Paul says that all of the promises of God come true to Jesus and that everyone who is in Christ is true Israel and that everything that God promised to in the Old Testament comes true in him. Today, we're going to deal with a passage that premillennial dispensationalists use to refer to the rapture. What, this, what they say is, when the end times come, Jesus will secretly return and take all Christians and all the dead 
and they will all, in Christ and they will disappear. Then seven years of tribulation will happen. After that, Jesus will return again and establish an earthly government for the millennium, a thousand years. Then at the end of the thousand years, a rebellion will happen. It will be defeated, and eternity will come. Amillennialism teaches we are currently in the tribulation. The thousand years of revelation are happening now, where Jesus rules on earth through his church, and he will come back visibly on the last day and raise everyone from the dead, and we will live eternally with him, all who believe in Christ. The passage we looked at from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is the proof text for the idea of the rapture. That is, that Jesus will appear secretly, take all living Christians and all dead Christians, and leave the rest of the earth for the seven years of the tribulation. To point that out, they look at what we read. They say, <clears throat> For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive are left until the coming of the Lord. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. <clears throat> for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. They focus on the idea that Christians will be caught up with Christ and be with him. You may have been uh, seen this, I sometimes do, that when we're, I'm driving along, and I'll see a bumper sticker that says, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. That's what they're talking about. That Jesus will secretly return and snap. People will be gone. Airplanes will crash. Cars will swerve. Everything will be messy. They also say that uh, this tribulation begins. And the reason why uh, Christians aren't here for that is because we are not part of this great tribulation. God is going to pull us away. There's another passage they point to. This is Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus says this, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came, and swept them all away. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, 
for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Here they focus on the idea that one person will be taken up to heaven and one left. They also talk about this happening right before this great tribulation, sometimes uh, Revelation talks about, because they believe that Christians will be spared the wrath of God. One of the ways they do that is by pointing to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In doing this, I also looked up some of the things that uh, David Jeremiah says at uh, Shadow Mountain, and he mentioned that Christians can't be a part of this great tribulation because of what it says in Romans chapter 8. There's now no condemnation through Jesus Christ. And if Christians have no condemnation, it means that we can't be part of this wrath or this tribulation. Now, I've done my best to represent this as best as I can, but I think the rapture is mistaken. This is not what will happen on the day that Jesus returns. And we can do that by looking at exactly the passages that they use to support this. First, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 24. It says, For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Here the image is of Noah and the flood. And Noah was saved. He was the one who was left. The flood swept people away in judgment. So if Jesus is consistent using this imagery, the people who remain are the one who are saved. The people who are taken away are swept away in judgment, like in the flood. Which means this image is actually opposite of what the people in the rapture say. You can also look at our passage for the day, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, this is pretty impressive, right? It says that Jesus will come from heaven with the cry of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. That doesn't sound like a secret to me, does it? Of course not. That's a trumpet. That is the cry of command, the voice of an archangel. It's going to be pretty clear what happened. Jesus himself says that we will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and might. No one's going to miss it. It's not going to be a secret. 
There is no wondering whether you'll be ready for the rapture. Jesus will descend from heaven on the last day. There will be no secret. There will be, it will not be hidden. It will be clear. And he gives us his promise so that we can know he is coming. Coming to rescue us. Coming to save us. To give us life that lasts forever by his own death and resurrection. And his voice will cry out and call us up from our graves and give us perfect bodies and we will go to meet him in the air while his judgment comes down on earth. And then we will live forever with him. The one thing I haven't dealt with is that tribulation. They say Christians cannot be a part of this great tribulation because we do not receive this wrath. You say because there is no condemnation. That's misunderstanding what's going on. Jesus himself says that we are part of a tribulation. He says in John, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the same Greek word as the great tribulation that John himself writes in Revelation. And so we know now the tribulation has been going on since the day Jesus ascended into heaven. The church has always been suffering. The church has always been persecuted. And St. Paul gives us these words so that we can look forward to the day when he comes with power and might and clearly reveals himself to us and gives us eternal life. Up until now, this has been a pretty doctrinal sermon. I'm giving you Bible passages and analyzing them and, you know, all of this stuff. And you may be asking yourself, well, so what, Pastor? Why is this actually important for me now? I mean, we'll all find out eventually anyway. Either he's going to come and rapture us, or he's going to come and show up and raise the dead, and it'll be just like you say. There's a good reason why we need to know this now. First, the people who teach about the rapture end up focusing too much on the news of the day. They stress each other out about the signs and the seasons and everything that is going on, especially when we have things going on in Israel. See, every time there's war or violence or battle, everybody in dispensationalism thinks, now's the end, you got to get worried. And they point us to think about things that are so far away that we can't do anything about it. And all we do is stress out. That is not why St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says, I want you not to grieve like those who have no hope. The point here is just to comfort us. Not to point us to this world and say, watch the news. Think about the signs. Come up with charts that show us exactly where in the rapture timeline we are. And they do. There's even a website that has a rapture countdown clock, as if they can figure out when this might happen. 
What Jesus gives us is something very simple. He promises to return, and he'll raise you from the dead. That's easy. And it points us to comfort. It points us to peace. So that we're not stressing out, we're trusting in him. The other thing that this teaching about the rapture does is it points us away from our duties now to think about those things that are far away. You see, Jesus really wants us to think about our neighbors, our family, the people around us, the things that we can control. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he isn't thinking about uh, worrying about things that are half a world away. He wants us to simply do our job serving others. And so the rapture points us to thinking and worrying and feeling about things that we have no control over, that don't matter to us. What God really wants us to do is serve the people who are near us, love the people who are near us, to be the people God created us to be around us. And when we think about something that is that far away, and we're always worrying about what's happening in the news, it means we turn our attention away from the people God has sent us to love. This passage from 1 Thessalonians is there to guide us into a hopeful expectation of the day that Jesus returns and raises us from the dead. It's not here to make us worry about some secret rapture and a complicated system about the end times. It's just there to give us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermons. If you have any questions about anything that you've heard or anything about the Lutheran tradition, I would love to answer them. Please contact me at Pastor H-U-E. N-I-N-K at youhaveaplace.com.